Hi, it's Maddie Soul, your rebel guide to living a life of freedom abroad, bringing you an episode of Roaming the Now, where entrepreneurs, coaches, and mentors come together to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the real and raw experience of setting out to a new country and building a life and business abroad. Make sure to like and subscribe to Roaming the Now. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Roaming the Now. This is your host, Maddie Soul, and today I have Carla Parra with us, who is joining us from, where are you currently? <laughs> That's such a great question. Every time that somebody asks me that, it's a different answer. But today I'm joining from my parents' basement in Western New York. So I live in a camper and my camper is in my parents' driveway right now. We're here for the summer to visit family. So yeah, I'm in a very different environment than the one I normally in. And I have so much space. I'm at a real desk, not in my camper little dinette that I share with my husband, but a desk to myself. It is glorious. Beautiful. I imagine having the space probably feels super like expansive on all levels. <laughs> it's a luxury. It's a luxury I don't I haven't had for the last four years. So I'm afraid I'm getting a little too used to it, but I'm enjoying it while I can. <laughs> Amazing. That sounds nice. Okay. So fun fact. And with this segue, because I was like, where are you currently? I'm going to just allow you to dive in and introduce yourself, give a little bit of context, your story, where you're from, and just let everyone know who you are. All right. Well, I'm Carla and I am originally from Mexico, from where you are, Marisol. I was born and raised in, I was born in Mexico City and then raised throughout all different parts of Mexico. I lived in, I think it's seven different cities throughout my upbringing, all on the different coasts of Mexico. My dad worked in the ports. And so we went from port to port, from paradise to paradise. It was lovely growing up there. And, and then I went to college in the United States and I embarked on a very, what I would say expected, what was expected of me kind of trajectory with my career. I joined corporate America out of college. I worked for some pretty big companies. Um, most recently in management consulting. And then in 2019, I went on a coaching journey. I became a certified coach. I'm a life and career coach now. And that experience completely changed my life. It really allowed me to return back to my adventurous upbringing. So I, I recognized that I was not living my life in a way that felt really true to who I am. And so I got rid of all of my belongings. I was living in Dallas at the time and my husband and I left Dallas, left our apartment and moved into a little tiny camper. It's 84 square feet. I think it's 7.8 square meters. I was doing the conversion the other day. So it's pretty small and we live in it with our two dogs and we travel around mostly the United States, but we also travel in Mexico, my home country in the camper and sometimes not in the camper. Sometimes we fly and stay in Airbnbs. So for the last four years, we've had a pretty adventurous life. And in 2020, as part of my journey to reconnect with my adventurous roots, I also left my corporate career and launched my own company, The Joyful Career, which is a life and career company through which I help people in the workplace let go of stress, let go of the lives that are no longer serving them and make big changes in their lives to live with more joy. And so that's what I do. I coach. I'm also a professional speaker. And I do all of that from 84 square feet from a little table that I share with my husband who also works remotely. It's quite an adventure. <laughs> I say that's impressive and quite an adventure. And I think also proof that you don't need 
you don't need to have all the things that you need in order to do the things that you want to do. <laughs> That's very true. My relationship with things has definitely changed over the last four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More experiences over things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I can definitely relate to that. I've never quite had the same relationship with things after experiencing just living out of suitcases. Just suitcases that were ready to go at any time. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't love some things, right? But this lifestyle has just helped us. We have this philosophy of one in, one out, right? You don't need to accumulate, but rather every time we bring something in, we let go of something. And that has taught me just to really treasure what, what I have. So don't get me wrong. I do love some nice things now and then. I just have a lot fewer of them than I used to in my walk-in closet in my city apartment. <laughs> I was going to say, what a switch. Um, <laughs> so on that note, yes. today we're just going to be exploring a little bit deeper of just like, how do you live a nomad lifestyle? Like we've really touched on a little bit with it's like things are not really like a thing to accumulate, you know, <laughs> one for one. Um, but what else do you think is really important to note with living the nomad lifestyle, especially for you, like living in the camper and, and traveling so often on wheels? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned about myself, I guess, and about change is that we're really quite adaptable as human beings. I have this memory of in the early years of, or the early months of our journey on the road. I remember my husband, we were driving and we didn't quite know where we were going to stay for the night. Which if you had told me when I lived in a city apartment that I would have nights where I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night, I would have been like, absolutely not, right? Like, I need to know that I have a stable, safe place to sleep in. And I remember my husband said, well, you know, we, we're, we're not at our destination yet. Like, we're not at a place where we want to actually stay. So we'll probably need to sleep at a Walmart parking lot tonight. And I flipped out. I was like, are you kidding me? I am not going to sleep in a Walmart parking lot. I mean, that does not sound safe. <laughs> you know, that is just not where I envisioned putting my head for the night. And, but he was right. It, it was actually a safe, very convenient place to stay, by the way, for anybody that is not familiar with the van life or with the, you know, living in a camper. Walmarts were pretty popular places to sleep overnight. Walmarts love it because you park there overnight, they do it for free, and you, they expect you to shop there. So anyway, we slept in the Walmart parking lot and I survived. And over time, I became a lot more comfortable with just the knowledge that no matter where we slept on any given night, at the end of the day, my safety was there. I was in my home. I was with my husband. And four years in, like I'm the one that now suggests, well, maybe we should stay at a Walmart parking lot or maybe we should stay at a Cracker Barrel or stay, you know, like different places that four years ago, I would have never felt comfortable with. So, so I think this lifestyle, what it has taught me the most is to embrace that adaptability and to go for it, right? There were a lot of fears that I had in the beginning of this lifestyle. A lot of what ifs, how am I going to do laundry? How am I going to shower? How am I going to survive with fewer things? And I was talking to someone recently who was so amazed by this lifestyle that I have and I was like, what do you mean? It's amazing. Like, it's so normal to me now, right? And so now this lifestyle has become very normal to me, but it's a result of a lot of adaptability. So 
it's been an amazing journey of just recognizing how adaptable we are as human beings. And for anyone out there that is wanting to make some sort of change in their lives, maybe it's not moving into 84 square feet. That's totally fine. It's not for everybody. Just trust in your adaptability as a human being. Trust that you can do it, right? As human beings, we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, definitely the adaptability. I feel like unless you give yourself the opportunity to see how adaptable you are, you don't really like realize that. Um, For me, even though I haven't lived in a camper, it has been an idea that has been floated in my mind. I was like, that could be actually kind of cool to live in a camper (laughs) around like Mexico. Like, why not? I mean, I'd have to like, the whole idea is just the dogs because the dogs have to come in. It can be done. I have two dogs. They go with us everywhere. We've had them four. Wait, now I have five. (laughs) Okay. You do have a lot of dogs. You might need a bigger camper. (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, I need a bigger camper or like some kind of like, they need their own house. (laughs) Right. A lot of people do it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people will say like, oh, I can't do it because I have kids. There are a lot of families out there in campers and they give such a rich educational experience to their kids by taking them to the places that they're learning about, right? So it can be done. You just might need a different camper, maybe not 84 square feet. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually um, a family here, like in the community and he's from Canada. And I think his wife is, she's Mexican though. She's from here, but they like went around and were like on this adventure in their camper with their two kids um until found Molly Malco and then they decided to settle down but like you know you hear the story of like I don't know we just like arrived in our camper and we were like welcome to so like open arms that we decided to stay after we were done with our tour of like the U.S. (laughs) yeah yeah it can be done (laughs) it can be done and I think the other thing that that I've so appreciated about this lifestyle is you know, you mentioned this family is the type of people that you get to meet that are on the road. My husband and I this past winter spent three months in Mexico in our camper, specifically in the Baja Peninsula. And so that's where like Cabo San Lucas is. That's a pretty famous place. There are La Paz. And we traveled for three months throughout the entire coast, all the way down south, and then made all our way back up north to the to the border. And we met the most interesting people, made the most amazing friends that were adventurous and open-minded and just thirsty for community and an adventure and that has been I think one of the biggest gifts of of being a nomad is that it gets you out of the bubbles that you can kind of get you know get very comfortable in and it gets you out meeting people that are even more adventurous than you like I'll give you an example we met this guy that was traveling on a bicycle, not a motor bicycle, but a, a like two wheel little bicycle um, from LA to the tip of Argentina to Patagonia. And he was traveling on this bicycle, which already is a pretty, you know, pretty phenomenal feat, but he was doing it on $4 a day. He was challenging himself to do it on $4 a day. And I thought, man, like, there's no way that I could ever do that right but the interesting thing is and I don't really want to do that but when I started this journey I remember thinking there's no way that I would do that and so when you meet these interesting people that are pushing boundaries it kind of also pushes your own boundaries like it makes you wonder like would I be possible what would I be capable of doing you know is that possible for me so so that's been a really rich 
really wonderful gift of, of being a nomad is just the amazing diversity of people that I've gotten to make friends with and, and get to know. Yeah, definitely. Everyone is doing things. I feel like when you immerse yourself in the like, I guess the, what do we want to call it? The alt culture, the ones where we're like, no, we're not going to like sit in one place. We're going to like do something. We're deviating, right? You meet a lot of interesting people who are doing things in a lot of different interesting ways. And it's just a really great way to like expand your perspective. Um, I think that's one thing that I've truly loved about traveling, right? Is you just get your, no matter where you are in the world, in the same country, wherever it is, everywhere, every different environment gives you the opportunity to really expand your mind and expand your perspective and, and learn new things, which is something that that's why I, I feel like I was always kind of like, Ooh, traveling seems so cool. Right. <laughs> like for me, when I was growing up, because I love learning and I realized that, um, you know, through this experience, whenever you're traveling, you're always learning something new, whether it's about people, the environment, or just like ways of living and being. And that is really like a rich experience. And it's, it's kind of, for me, the more you can explore and learn, the more you can really find out as what you were saying earlier, like what is authentic to you, right? Um, yeah. More variety, you see diversity, the more you have a chance to discover and try things out and be like, yep, that's for me. Oh, nope, that's not for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you'll never know if you don't give it a shot, right? My husband and I have this philosophy of try everything once, most things, try most things once. That, that's true when it comes to food. That's true when it comes to, to experiences, because you just will never know if it's something that, that you even want, you know, if you don't at least try it once. So I love that, that mentality and traveling is such a rich way of just experimenting and get, really getting to know yourself. Yeah. Yes. Through these conversations, even just through people that I've talked to, they've told me like traveling has been one of the most like biggest things they could have done for their personal growth. And whether it's traveling within the US or you're traveling outside of the country, like all of it is really an opportunity for you to see how you grow and navigate change. And change has really been like, I feel like a central theme of our conversation. And so um, if we're thinking about navigating change, okay, thinking about navigating change, because I... <laughs> I personally always have a hard time like explaining to people how to navigate change because I'm kind of like, well, you just do it, <laughs> right? You just embrace what's happening. You embrace the uncertainty. And I realize that that's been, you know, a muscle that I kind of naturally have going for me, but I've also learned to develop the more kind of like moves I've done. But let's say for a more person who's beginning that journey of adventure and embarking on change and how to embrace it, like how would you support them in that or just kind of explain to them like what's happening? So interesting to talk about navigating change. I'm currently putting together a two-part talk for a company exactly on, on this topic, on navigating change. And change has been, change is a constant for me. It's a constant for you. It's a constant for everybody. And the reality is that as human beings, we're all different, right? We all experience change in different ways. Some people love change. Some people resist it. Some people just kind of tolerate it and, and cope with it. And the thing about change is that a lot of the time we're kind of asleep at the wheel a little bit. I think that, you know, change because change is constantly happening around us. Many of us just kind of like go along for the ride, not really aware of our response to change or aware of the fact that we can choose how we experience change. Like, right, as I'm preparing this talk, I'm talking to a lot of people that are fearful, perhaps, about changes that are happening. And one of the things that I'm communicating in my talk is that that fear, while it's normal, 
to feel in any type of change, whether it's work-related, whether it's, you know, moving into a camper, it's completely normal, but it doesn't mean that it has to hold you back. It doesn't mean that it's a requirement, right? We get to choose how we experience change. And fear might be something that we actually are choosing. Like we might say, you know what? Like I'm going to lean into that fear and I'm going to experience this change in its fullness with a fear, with a comfort, but choose that, right? Don't let the fear choose for you and derail you and stop you from going after that change. So for anybody going through change, I would say that. I would say lean into all of the emotions that change brings, the excitement, the fear, the terrifying moments, the whatever moments, but do it consciously, right? Don't let the emotions that don't serve you dictate your experience for you. Rather live aware and, and embrace all of those emotions. I experienced a lot of different emotions when I, when I decided to move into a camper. And I still do. Four years in, even though it's a lot more normal, I still am afraid of certain things. I'll tell you, for example, one of the things that I'm working through right now is learning how to back up the camper. Four years in, I have not learned how to back up the camper. That's typically my husband's job. I'm the one that does all the inside stuff. He does the outside stuff. We've kind of fallen into traditional gender roles um, <laughs> with a, and unintentionally. And I'm afraid of backing up the camper, right? Because of, you know, fear of not being able to do it right or fear of what he will say or just you know, self-judgment. But I'm decided this summer that that's it. I'm not going to let that fear stop me from learning a skill that I should very much have, right? Like that does not necessarily have to be something that only men do or only my husband does. And so I'm going to go consciously into the experience of learning to back up the camper. And I'm just going to lean into the fear of it, right? I'm not going to try to avoid it. I'm just going to be like, okay, like what's the worst that can happen? Let me lean into that. Let me think about all the things that could go wrong. And so what? Like, just go for it. Just do it. So, so I think that's the biggest Thing that, that, that I can share is that the emotions are going to be there for anyone going through through a change, right? The, the, the key is, are you letting those emotions dictate your experience because you've decided to just kind of be asleep at the wheel? Or can you consciously just experience all of it and not let the emotions that don't serve you get in your way and stop you from, from doing what you want? Yeah. Yeah, that really rests, especially the car piece. I need to like start practicing how to drive, <laughs> but I'm afraid. <laughs> I'll be really honest. Um, I know how to drive, but learning how to drive here is like learning another language. Like if I were to, I've driven in Mexico City like a few times, but like to make that, oh, a, that, is scary. Like, <laughs> to make that a part of like, ooh, like I can do this at the drop of a hat. I'm like, ooh, okay. We're going to like ease into this, but it's still something that I'm just like, because it's like, it's yeah. just, it's my, like, as I was talking to my dad about it, it's like, it's a whole other like rhythm. Like they're driving at a whole other pace. And that's why I described it as like learning a new language, but it's like a kinesthetic language. <laughs> like how in tune can you be? But obviously like when I think about that fear, I'm like, okay, well, like, why am I afraid? Right. Because this, is, this would seem like a simple thing, right? Like, why am I afraid of driving? Okay, because I actually have a real primal fear of like getting in an accident. <laughs> like this is a real thing. So I'm going to yeah. show up for that and honor that. 
but also know that, okay, like, how do I ease into this, right? Like it, it was me driving in outside. I, I drove out of Mexico City. I was not venturing in, okay? So it's a little easier doing that. Just like baby steps to wean it in. And um, something that I typically been on my mind a lot lately around emotions. Um, I've been noticing that we all are trying to like fix the emotion, right? Like everyone doesn't want to feel fear or everyone doesn't want to feel the anger or the hurt or the shame or the guilt. And I always like say like, but like feelings are just meant to be felt like you're meant to feel them. So you can understand them, see what's happening, where they're coming from. And then once you are in that space, you can accept them, which is in turn letting go. And then they're not dictating your action. And so it's interesting to like hear like your, your interpretation of it, because we're kind of essentially saying the same thing, just in different words. Um, yeah. Because that's really what I, I've been noticing in my journey, just as well as people. It's like a lot of fixing, fixing, fixing. I need to fix that I feel imposter syndrome, which I'm sure you can relate to as like a career coach, or I need mm-hmm. to fix that I'm not, that I feel bad that I'm not working hard enough. You know, I'm noticing like, what, how do we can't fix emotions? Like they're, they're something that are meant to be felt, right? That's why they're called feelings. Yes. That's something that's taken me years to learn and to embrace. And I still struggle. I mean, I'm a human, right? Like I still resist feeling the fear or resist the imposter syndrome. I mean, running my own business after working for somebody else for my entire career and now being an entrepreneur has brought up a lot of emotions that I notice can get in my way. Fear being the, the, the primary one. And it's taken me a long time to recognize that life is not meant to be all, you know, unicorns and butterflies. Like in order to have a rich life as a human being, you've got to experience all the emotions, right? And the moment that we stop resisting the emotions that don't serve us, like fear, and it's like get curious about them, like you did, right? What is it that's really causing this fear? And then practicing empathy towards ourselves of like, well, no wonder I'm afraid. I don't want to get into an accident, right? That's the moment that we can start to release the the grip that these emotions can have over us and just embrace them as a regular part of of being human. And you mentioned this idea of taking of taking little baby steps and I I think that's so important too for for anybody that's wanting to make a change in their lives, whatever that may be. And it reminds me of when we started out this camping lifestyle, it wasn't like we just overnight decided to move into a camper and get rid of our belongings and leave our entire social life behind in Dallas or work life behind. Like that was a major, major change. And we did a lot of experiments leading up to it. So it started out with a little experiment of just simply watching a YouTube video, right? Like something super safe that we did from our living room. And then we took the next step. Then I remember my husband suggesting that we go stay in a tiny house because we didn't really know what we wanted, but instead of trying to figure it out, we decided to discover it as we went along. So we went and stayed in the tiny house and we learned, you know what? We like, we can do the tiny, but we want something that moves. And so then we stayed, we went and found an Airbnb that wasn't an Airstream, which I don't know if you've ever seen those, but those are like the big vintage aluminum big campers. And we went and stayed in one, in one of those. And we we're like, okay, we like that it moves and we like that it's small, but this is too big. And then we decided to stay in a camper like the one that we ultimately bought, but we went and stayed for for a week and we worked in a little camper just like the one we have for a week and it rained the entire week and we stayed in that little camper for the whole week working full time and we didn't kill each other by the end of the week. 
And so it was all a series of, of little experiments to help us, number one, figure out, is this something that we can do? And number two, what do we actually want to do, right? Like, what's the right change for us? And so I think, you know, all to say that, that when you're thinking of change, like, take it in those little baby steps, right? Like, you are, like, start driving a little bit in the neighborhood, start driving, you know, start pushing your boundaries little by little. But when you see somebody else that has made a big change that maybe you want to make, don't measure yourself up against that, right? Because now people look at us and are like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe how, you know, how you're doing this. I could never do this, even though I want to. Well, we haven't always been like this. We haven't always have had our solar system figured out. We haven't always had our comfort with staying at Walmart parking lots, right? That came with time and it came with, with those little baby steps and experiments. So start small, start with watching a YouTube video in your living room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And this came up. I don't, I think this came up yesterday. I don't know when this came up, but I was having a podcast conversation and I was saying, I actually don't think big changes ever just happen. Like, yeah, you make a big change. Like it's actually all baby steps. Like I gave the example of like, I could decide to move to a new country tomorrow, but would that actually necessarily like be the most way to make a sustainable change? Because there's visa, there's all these things. And so it's basically explaining how I feel like change is actually just a series of micro changes that happen that we don't really realize it. And then all of that compounds really great book. I love compound effect. Um, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. But that's essentially what happens with change. It's all those micro changes finally compound. And then we have the massive change that happens. And then on the outside, it looks like, oh my God, like, look at this massive change. But you don't know the experience the person went through in terms of those steps to get to where they are. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that I also remind myself in my business. It's sometimes it's easy. Like if any entrepreneurs are out there listening to this, we sometimes can compare ourselves to people that are, 20 steps ahead of us and be like, why am I, am I not making that amount of money or having that amount of clients or whatever it is? And the reality is that we're not seeing all the little baby steps that came before that. that we yeah, that happened. That happened to me recently. It was just like a big reality check where there's, there's someone who's my friend, um, six figure business coach, um, business messaging coach. Um, and I didn't really realize it until they wrote a post. They've been in this online social media space game for eight years eight years yeah. and I was like oh wow because I feel like it's so often easy to we just look at the result right we just look at what people are sharing what they're posting the results that they're getting and how well they're doing but we don't really take a step back and look at like okay well what actually was this person's journey like how long have they been in this you know journey I think one individual is sharing with me how um they had a friend who made a post about making, I don't know, X, Y, Z amount of figures a month, but they failed to mention that it took them four years to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. And right. so I think that that's really important. Just like reminding yourself, you don't know the full backstory unless you ask questions um, or at least until you actually kind of pay attention to what the people are saying. And, and I feel like it's really important to know that, you know, whatever change, like whatever your timeline is, like, it's your timeline. I think that's like the one thing I've really been anchoring in as an entrepreneur, um, especially as finding a way to do things. It's like, whatever your timeline is, is kind of your timeline. Like all you can do is just keep being consistent and showing up and, and staying the course. But at the end of the day, there's a timeline you don't know about that's behind the scenes that you don't have control over. <laughs> yeah. And I would add to that. Yes. It's your timeline. And also you can choose to enjoy that timeline, right? You can choose to kind of just 
power through that timeline and resist and do what it takes and hustle and do the things to get there. Or you can kind of sit back and just do the, the same things that you would do by force, but instead do them from a place of, of enjoyment and of curiosity. And it's not always easy, right? Like I say this, like it's easy, but, but I think that when you, when you enjoy the process, you also open up your blinders that can keep you from look from seeing opportunity that is probably right in front of you that could help you actually accelerate that timeline. So enjoying the process, I think is also a big, big part of of going through that timeline, but in a way that actually serves you. Yeah. And that is a consistent everyday, like for me, effort and work. Like there's like, but for me, it's more so how do I cultivate calm and clarity and peacefulness? Because when I'm calm and clear and peaceful, I enjoy everything so much more. But that is a consistent effort daily work that I feel like I don't tell people enough (laughs) about because they're like, well, you know, I, I receive a lot of comments, you know, your energy is really peaceful. You've been really grounded. You feel this way. I'm like, well, thank you so much. I also want to let you know, this is literally the result of conscious work every day is staying connected to those things that help me feel this way. Doesn't just happen automatically. It's a consistent effort. Absolutely. I think I've been thinking about this, this thing, and I can't take credit for this. I listened to it in, in a podcast by one of the, the coaches that I, I follow and admire very much is this idea that we focus so much on our action plans, right? Like, what are all the things that I need to do in order to get to my goals? And so as most humans do, and I do this too, we sit down and we're like, okay, let me create my to-do list. And we plan out our day and we have all these actions that we need to take. But rarely do we spend time focusing on another type of planning, which is, and in this is from this podcast I listen to, it's our belief plans not just our action plans, but what are we going to believe about ourselves today, right? Like what is the energy that we want to bring into our work today? What are we believing about our capabilities, about the capability of other humans? How, like, what is that mindset that you choose to bring into your work today? And I don't think that we spend, I certainly didn't until now, until, you know, last couple of years as a coach thinking about that. And so no wonder I would just go into my day and have a stressful day where I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, where I felt out of sorts and exhausted by the end of the day, because I spent so much time thinking about all the things I needed to do, but not all the things that I needed to believe or wanted to believe about myself, about my talents, my strengths in that particular day. So that's changed a lot for me. Just every morning I write I don't even write my to-do list. That's just kind of an ongoing thing. But every morning I write the date and I say, today, my belief plan is, and I write three or four different bullets of what I choose to believe for today and beliefs that are going to serve me in the work that I'm going to be doing that day. Yeah. That's interesting. To me, it gives me a feel of like affirmations, but like curated affirmations for self. (laughs) Yeah, they could be affirmations. Yeah, a lot of people um, work with that. Yeah, but something about the planning gives me like this. Um, I when I'm you know I thrive on like accomplishment and achievement and that sort of thing, and it's my my corporate self. Um, and writing it as a plan like gives me the sense of like okay, got my action plan, I got my belief plan, and then I also do a health plan, right? Like how am I gonna take care of myself, of of my mind, my health, the way that I eat. 
and it just makes me feel very complete and, and nourished going into my day. I'm the opposite. Plans make me feel restricted and constricted and I can't do anything <laughs> the plan. I have a mental task list and I have things I want to do. Yeah. The minute I put that on the plan, I just get really like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> but also my brain works a little bit differently. Um, so that's yeah. probably why. <laughs> but on that note, um, I would love for you to just share, um, like if we're thinking about someone who's kind of curious around a nomad lifestyle, like you did give some very tangible like action steps to take in terms of like the, I feel like you like shared like the taste tester way, right? Like if you're interested in camper life, like why don't you start with a YouTube video, like going through those steps, but in terms of like making that emotional transition, like more of we're thinking like mind emotions transition, like what piece of advice would you give them? Say experiment. I mean, that really is, is how I took those steps, right? Like, like you won't know what you want by sitting on a couch and brainstorming. That's how I used to think that I would figure out what I wanted. <laughs> I would do that a lot. And now I've learned that like you, you learn as you go and you figure it out as you try different things. So nomad life can look very different to many different people, right? It doesn't have to be a camper. It doesn't have to be a, a van. It could be like, I have a friend that goes and stays in different locations for a couple of months and then she comes home and then she goes to a different location and stays in an Airbnb and then she comes home, right? Like for her having a home base is really important, but she wants to have some of that nomad like type of, of lifestyle. So I would say, try it out, right? Experiment, know that nothing, I mean, a nomadic life by definition is not stationary, meaning that there's change happening all the time. So change, right? Like try different things out, try, try new things. And if something is drawing your attention and your curiosity, try that out. And that might even look as just like talking to people, right? Like I've had um, people that just reach out and say, Hey, can I, I've been thinking about this van life or, or camper lifestyle. Can I just have 30 minutes and ask you? And I get really honest with them, right? Like living this lifestyle has pros and cons, right? Like some cons, not a lot of people want to deal with. And so just go out and research and talk to people and, and try things out. You'll never know if you don't go out and give it a shot. So experiment would be my biggest piece of advice. I love that. And I feel like that goes for everything, especially business. The one thing I've learned is just experiment. You have something you want to try, you want to try it out, go and experiment. The market will tell you, great, back to the drawing board, but you won't know unless you experiment. And on that note of change, I just, you brought something up. So like I grew up with my dad telling me the only constant in life is change. So maybe that's mm -hmm. why change for me has kind of just been something that <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> because I literally grew up with a father who was like, the only constant in life is change, Marisol. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> my little, like what I imagine my 12, 12 year old self, like teenager self being like, huh? Okay, Dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Carla, for being here and sharing a unique story and experience. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way? Yeah. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram at the Joyful Career Coach. And I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. You can just look me up. 
Carla with a K and my last name is P-A-R-R-A or send me an email if you want to chat about nomad life and just are curious about what it's like to live in a four square feet or coaching or anything at all. You can also email me at Carla with a K at thejoyfulcareer.com. Amazing. I'll make sure to put Carla's links in the description. So until next time, this is your host, Madi Soul, signing off of another episode of Roaming the Now. And I hope that you all are enjoying wherever you are in the world. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thanks for catching this episode of Roaming the Now. If you have not already, make sure to like and subscribe. And as always, wherever you are in the world, I hope you are enjoying Roaming the Now.